Uh, tonight's discussion is on Bible reading. Um, in our discussion and what it means to be Christ's community, we have moved from broad ideas and now we can begin to move into more personal ideas. We started with asking the question, if you remember two months ago, of who we are. You guys have some great answers. We should be inviting. We should be friendly. We should be a little crazy. We should be about people, not about a specific clique. We should be authentic. All these things are great things. And we spent uh, two, uh, week two going over how all those good things can be founded on the love of God. And how the love of God for his people should be what motivates us to do all those things. So week one was who we are. Week two was foundation of love. And then we got more specific. In week three, we talked about being welcoming. What does it look like to be welcoming? It has to look more than just a high. It has to be genuine interest. Sam, excellent job last week. We spent a week after that talking about how to combat clicks. And then last week, we talked about the concept of tabling together, um, which hopefully we'll continue to talk about in the future. Um, It's something that you're going to get sick about me talking about. Um, For the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about spiritual disciplines. Because we will not be tabling well, we will not be anti-click well, and we will not be welcoming well if we do not learn about how God loves us and how in turn we are to love each other. We will take the next two or three weeks to answer this question. It's your first fill in the blanks. Fill in the blank. What are real ways you can grow in your faith? What are real ways you can grow in your faith? And these are things that I truly believe that if you put them into practice in your lives, you will see growth in the long term. Just like you get stronger from working out. Um, Before we get to that, I want to make a claim that I've probably made a dozen times to you already. And I will probably make dozens of times afterwards. But I make these type of claims because I want these things to stick with you. It's like my lawnmower analogy. If I say it enough, eventually you'll still be able to tell it back to me in your mid-20s. So it's one of these things that I want you to understand. I want you to get. It's one of those aha moments. Um, And for you high schoolers in regards to this, um, I hope you get it because it's the way I see you. It's the way I hope our leaders treat you. And that is we try to treat you like adults. Um, And one of the reasons we try to do that is because we believe that's the way God sees you. So that's why we hold you to adult-like expectations. Um, As you junior high kids get up to high school, you'll see some of that um, hopefully begin to change. But this is the fill in the blank, and this is your next one. What makes you an adult is not more freedom. It is more discipline. Oh, what? So some of you are like, yeah, I've heard that a hundred times. Good. Okay. What makes you an adult is not more freedom, it is more discipline. An adult with all the freedom in the world and no discipline is an older person living at his parents' house that's eating low-cost pre-prepared dinners. Like that's what, that's what an adult with all freedom and no discipline is. An adult who is disciplined understands that discipline is the key to freedom. It is when you understand that you've been disciplined and you discipline those aspects of your life that your God is able to use your giftings and your talent and your time to its benefit. So that's why we're talking about spiritual disciplines, because it will be the way that you grow and it will be the way that you truly adult. Second Corinthians 9, 24 and 27 says this. This is your next fill in the blank. 
Do you not know that in the race all the runners run? But only one receives the prize. So run that you may attain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do not receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. He's talking there about we got to be disciplined. This is a race we're running. So these are some of the things that we're going to be talking about the next couple weeks. This week we're going to be talking about Bible and transformation groups. are going to be talking about meditating on Scripture. Next week we're going to be talking about prayer. And then we'll be talking about fasting. Who would have thought? Oh, it's like it falls right in. I know. Think fast. Okay. So let me pray and we'll get to work. Father God, as we talk about what I feel like is the most foundation of all spiritual disciplines. May we be honest with where we stand in this discipline. May we be honest where we feel weak, where we know we need work, um, where we know we need to give up things. Um, May we have the wisdom, even at our young ages, um, to see the areas that we might need to let go of um, so that we could be better disciplined um, so that potentially we can pick up those areas again later on in life more effectively. In Jesus' name, amen. On my first trip to Kenya, my first trip to Kenya, I had just turned 20. I had spent the previous year in my first year as a youth ministry volunteer. And I had grown leaps and bounds in my faith, having been put in a leadership position. Now, I was on my way to a third world country. I'd never been to Africa before. Maybe some other time I'll give you more details about the trip. But it's who I remember that always sticks out to me. I'll remember these three people for the rest of my life. The first person I remember is a guy named Father Abraham. And Father Abraham was somebody who was a little bit older than me. He was a camp leader at the camp that we were working at. We were running a camp for slum kids from Kibera to where they could get away from a week, actually have three meals a day, hear the gospel, kind of get a retreat. Um, and Father Abraham was one of the Kenyan leaders. Um, amazing man of God, the joy that exude from this gentleman. I can't, he, I hope we live close to each other in heaven or like we like get to hang out on the new heavens and new earth. I just, I adore him. He was amazing. Um, the second person um, I remember was a guy named Newvine. And yes, that was his name. His name was Newvine. Um, that is his real name. And he was also a Kenyan camp leader. Um, a musician and someone who loved the Lord. I still think and pray for these men often. I especially prayed for Newvine um, early on. He was in the middle of saving up money so he could buy his dowry for his bride. He had to provide like 12 goats to the family so that he could marry their daughter. Um, And he was in the middle of raising the money to try to do that. We don't do that in America. Um, It was a goat tribe. Um, hence the goats. But the third person I remember most was a kid named John. So John was 12 when I met him. He lived in Cabera, which is the slum, which some people estimate is over a million people in about a square mile. Uh, John had been recruited by gangs, was tempted by prostitution, and did his best to make a living for his family all at the age of 12. So those of you that are older than 12 in here, you're a little behind John probably. Um, At 12, he didn't have a great education. Surprise. 
He wasn't the most physically gifted. He didn't own much in his 12 by 8 square hut that he shared with his family. But he was vastly more rich than I ever was. The reason he was vastly more rich than I ever was is John knew scripture. John didn't own a Bible. Uh, He had to go to church for that. But he treasured up the word in his heart, and it was buried deep. Um, he, He put, at 12, he put my faith, which pridefully I considered vastly superior to that of my, my, my peers to shame because he knew the scriptures and he called on the God of the scriptures regularly. He humbles me and he still humbles me to this day. His knowledge of the scripture gave him joy and pain, richness and poverty and more peace in a life full of uncertainty than any American I've ever met. I still pray for John. He comes to mind. When I talk to Mbumi, I ask about him. And when I pray for John, it always directs me for my it always directs me to a, a prayer for you. That's what I learned the most out of my trip. It's because I want you so bad to have her a love for scripture that John had. That's my prayer for many of you throughout the week. Is that you would fall in love with his work. Because it will bring you such comfort. And today is one of those days where I'm going to challenge you to eat at the buffet table of eternity and never be full. It's a beautiful idea. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. John 6.35. But if statistics hold up at Yak, one in four of you have not opened up your Bible in the past year. According to Barna Research, about 23% of Christians don't read the Bible. And on the flip side, one in five Christians say they read it daily. My guess is that most of you are somewhere in between that number, which puts you right next to me, a professional Christian. While I would like to say that I have read my Bible every day for the last 365 days, um, I've opened my Bible probably around 80% of those. So even I still have some work to do. But why would I have you open your Bible? Why would, I, why would I plead with you to open your Bible? Matthew 4, 4 says this. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Just as food has become a natural rhythm to your life and a natural rhythm to your body, the intake of scripture should also become part of that rhythm. We know that we are transformed by the words of God and that all scripture is useful for teaching, but many of us don't seem to do it. So how can we do it better? How can we do it better? This is my first. uh, This is first. uh, Next, fill in the blank. First, make time in your day. I know many of you get discouraged when you look at a thousand page book. The nerds in the room that just gets you excited, right? Like you saw that last Harry Potter book and you're like, yes, it's so thick and juicy. Like thousand page books don't bother you. Um, But. When you look at the Bible, sometimes it's a little overwhelming. Um, But like good food over time, it will affect the body. We know from audio Bibles that the Bible can be read aloud in about 71 hours. Well, AJ, how am I going to find 71 hours a year? Okay, 71 hours is less hours than the average American spends looking at a TV per month. Okay. That means that the average person who dropped TV for a month and substituted it with reading the Bible, the Bible would be done in 30 days. 
And that's assuming they've read it aloud. Because the audio Bible, typically, you read slower if it's audible. The average American teenager spends nine hours a day engaged in media. If you, yeah, yeah. Adults in the room are like, I can't, how do you do that? That's, that's weird. That's 270 hours a month. So if you, you could literally read the Bible four times over the course of the month if you dropped your media intake. Now, I'm not asking you to get off Bookface and Graham Insta and Chapsnat and all that other things. Okay? Yeah. Got it. You followed. I'm not asking you to do that, but I am saying, but I am saying that we can make time. And here are some tangible ways. If you're still like, okay, I'm the weird teenager that doesn't involve the types of a screen, pick up an audio. Okay, I'm, I'm my first Kickstarter. I did my first Kickstarter like a month ago. You should have been there for it. It was an amazing experience. Um, it's a Bible reading app that's coming out in June. I'll tell you about it if I like it. It's called Dwell. Um, but it is a new way I'm going to intake scripture. Um, for those of you that are artists, they're putting music to the words of scripture and they're getting professional. Act, like, it's going to be awesome. So, Sam, you might really like it because it's having professional music that's going along for each book of the Bible. Um, so that will be a way that I'm going to be intaking scripture. I remember when I was mowing the lawn last year, got through Job, talking about suffering and mowing the lawn. Okay? It goes hand in hand. Um, but you can find an audiobook if you listen to the Bible via an app on the way to school for 10 minutes and on the way home for 10 minutes, you would get through the Bible in one whole school year. Yeah. 10 minutes there, 10 minutes back. In no more than 15 minutes a day, you can read through the Bible in less than a year's time. 15 minutes a day. Only five minutes a day, and you can get through the Bible in less than three years. Bravo. You're not more holy if you do the one over the other. Okay, so chill out. So second, my second thing. Try not to do it before you go to bed. Try not to do it before you go to bed. Donald Whitney in his book on spiritual discipline says this. The value, there's value in reading Bible just before you drop off. But if, it is, if this is the only part of your day when you read scripture, then you should find another time. And there's two reasons for it. First, you will retain very little of what you read when you're tired and sleepy. Okay. Second, you probably do very little evil in your sleep. <laughs> if you want to encounter Christ and have him have an effect on your day, you might want to do it during the day. Okay. Third, find a plan. For those of you that are OCD like me, do this. Okay, the only times in my, in my life where I've read like all of scripture fully in a year or whatever period of time was when I had a plan. Okay, other than that, I'm bouncing around. I have a basic structure that I use, but for the most part, I keep going back to the same books. Find a plan, find a plan. The times I've, uh, apart from a specific plan, this is cool, reading three chapters every day and five on Sundays will take you through the Bible in a year's time. And this is my personal favorite. Read three chapters in the Old Testament and three in the New Testament every day. And you will finish the Old Testament once and the New Testament four times in a 12-month period. What's that? 
It's cool. The high schoolers, we'll see how easy this is during the high school retreat. One of the things we're going to do this year, one of the activities, is that during all waking hours, we will have at least one person reading scripture aloud in a set-aside place. And my guess is that we will get through scripture. We're going to go through the New Testament. My guess is we'll probably get through the New Testament two, three times as a group over the course of a 36-hour period. Okay. Fourth. This is the one that, like, scares you all. Find a verse that you have read and meditate on it. Find a verse that you have read and meditate on it. Now, we're going to cover scripture meditation more um, in transformation groups in the next two lessons, but I want to mention it here as well. Most people read the Bible, and they can't give a second thought to it the rest of the day. It's like, check. We move on. Um, But when there is one phrase that sticks out to you, one passage, reread it. Put a picture to it in your mind. Let it linger. We'll talk about more ways that you can let it linger in Transformation Group. Fifth, take the next step and memorize it. If a verse sticks out to you, apply it to memory. I still remember a life-changing verse They came to me when I was in college, and I put to memory one devotion. It is probably taken out of its attended context. I'm almost positive that it's taken out of its attended context, but it fits into the context of Scripture, so I don't feel too bad. And it's this. It says, even you are called to belong to Christ Jesus. Even you are called to belong to Christ Jesus. This is Romans 1, 6. Even me. Even I. I don't deserve any of it. But during the times when I felt unworthy of the gospel, that verse would spring to mind and remind me that even me, even I am worthy to be called a son, not because of my work, but because of Christ's work. My identity, my time, my gifts were not my own. Why? Because even I belong to so much more. Even I belong to so much more. For those of you that say you can't memorize anything, I call bull. Okay. If I offered you $1,000 for each verse that you memorized this week, some of you would go from amnesiacs to very wealthy people. Okay. I had a student, this is true, once come up and tell me, no, really, I have a bad memory. This was at the start of a school year. So I asked him to list off his new teachers. He listed off all eight. I said, he said, well, no, that's different. That's different. Um, He had seen the names on the class list. He had to write the names on top of his homework assignments. He said the name during class time. And he used the name when describing the class to his friends. So I encouraged him, read the verse you want to memorize. Write the verse out several times that week. Say it aloud as you walk down the halls of your school. And tell your friends about the verse you are memorizing. You would be how shocked how quickly much of the verse, if not all of it, is stuck at the end of the week. Step five. Fifth step helps the fourth step. When you memorize, it stimulates meditation. When you memorize, it stimulates meditation. The next step. The fifth step helps the fourth step. 
When you memorize, it stimulates meditation. The fifth step helps the fourth step. You will learn more things about the verse as you work through it and memorize it. It is just a natural outcome. But the goal is not just to know a lot of verses. It's to be able to learn things from those verses as well. For those who are actors in the room, you've probably discovered this as you've learned lines, right? You might have said a line one way for the first three weeks of a play, and then suddenly you put the inflection somewhere else on the sentence, you're like, oh, well, that's what it means. It was right in front of me the whole time. And it's the same way as we memorize scripture. Many times an inflection drops differently or a life circumstance drops differently, and you're like, oh, that's what he's talking about there. Okay? This is your last fill in the blank. The goal is to memorize the word of God so that it can transform our minds and our lives. The goal is to memorize the word of God so it can transform our minds and our lives. Not so you know a lot of verses. Jerry Bridges said in this regard, I am very much aware that scripture memorization has largely fallen by the way in our day. But let me say as graciously but firmly as I can, we cannot effectively pursue holiness Without the word of God stored up in our minds, where it can be used by the Holy Spirit to transform us. I know it requires work, and sometimes discouraging when we can't recall accurately a verse we have worked hard to memorize. The truth is, however, all forms of discipline require work and are often discouraging. But the people who persevere in any discipline, despite the hard work and discouraging time, reap the reward the discipline is intended to produce. So, again, what makes you an adult is not more freedom, but it is more discipline. As you learn to run the race of the Christian life, the word of God is the shoes that will bring you stability and ease to the journey. We're going to talk about ways we can meditate on the word of God in transformation groups. So, let's go do that.